Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. In a referendum on Donald Trump, the American people step up and say, we don't like the direction this man is taking the country. We don't like him. We're putting the House of Representatives in Democratic hands as a roadblock to Donald Trump. What do you say? Hello, everybody. On this Wednesday, November 7th. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us here for a very, very special live broadcast from our nation's capital here on Free Speech TV. Also joining you on YouTube uh, at uh, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, it is a busy, busy news day here in Washington, D.C. And this is the way the news cycle has been going for the last two years. Uh, So today, so typical of it, how fast it moves Uh, We don't even get finished talking about the election and the results of the election and amazing success of Democrats in this election, no matter what Donald Trump says, before he holds a news conference, changes the whole narrative again by going on uh, the most hostile and personal attacks yet on the media, telling an African-American woman, April Ryan, a damn good reporter, to sit down and shut up, uh, treating, uh, uh, you know, it's surprised he didn't use other words for her, that he's, maybe he's used for uh, NFL players. And the news conference is no longer over, and we're not even able to digest that or report on that thoroughly before Donald Trump fires Jeff Sessions. Uh, he wouldn't answer that question during the news conference because he knew he was going to do it as soon as he walked back to the Oval Office. So we got all three to talk about here in this very, very special broadcast. Good to be with you. Thank you for joining us here on Free Speech TV. Thanks for being there on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And we want to hear from you, your comments on the stunning news of the day, Jeff Sessions, the news conference, an hour and a half long, and a very um, angry, hostile, demeaning embarrassing performance by Donald Trump and, of course, the results of the midterms last night. All right, so off we go here. Uh, Again, good to have you with us. Let's start with the Jeff Sessions thing. You know, I, uh, (laughs) boy, I got to tell you, you almost want to feel sorry for Jeff Sessions, but you really don't. Almost. Yeah, I say almost. Let me tell you, my grandmother, God bless her, Bessie Bendler, you know, she used to say, if you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Yeah. Well, guess what? Jeff Sessions never should have got in bed with Donald Trump in the first place. It serves him right. Remember, 
He, but, you know, it just shows you, it tells you more about Donald Trump than Jeff Sessions. You talk about loyalty. This is the first guy when nobody in the Republican Party, certainly not in the official Republican Party, took Donald Trump seriously. Nobody respected him. Certainly not one Republican member of the U.S. Senate. And Jeff Sessions steps up, the first senator to endorse Donald Trump, and he was the only senator to endorse Donald Trump until Donald Trump got the nomination. The rest of them, remember, called him, Ted Cruz called him a pathological liar. Lindsey Graham said even worse. Jeff Sessions was there. He was part of the campaign. He even met with the Russian ambassador. He was head of Donald Trump's foreign policy committee. Then he becomes, and that was outrageous for Donald Trump to do it. Donald Trump names this man, Jeff Sessions, who was deemed so racist back in the 60s that he was, I think it was the 80s maybe, he was rejected for a federal judgeship because of his racist views and his connections with racist organizations. And Donald Trump makes him head of the Department of Justice, um, which was, again, an outrage at the time. But Jeff Sessions served him more, kissed his ass, served him more faithfully than any other member of the cabinet in terms of uh, do, doing away with all the police uh, and community and, and, and community relations agreements that had been made around the country under President Obama uh, in terms of reversing the clock on uh, federal uh, enforcement of immigration, uh, marijuana laws, not letting states uh, approve recreational marijuana without um, the federal government sending the goon squads in to close down some of these clinics that Jeff Sessions threatened to do. Uh, Jeff Sessions declaring war on California because of its um, clean air standards. Jeff Sessions declaring war on sanctuary cities around the country. So Jeff Sessions was the ultimate loyal soldier for Donald Trump in every regard except one, when he did what he had to do because he himself had so many connections to the Russians during the campaign that he had to recuse, he could not oversee the Russian investigation, so he recused himself from that. And you know what? He didn't do it because he's a good guy. He just did it because he had to. Donald Trump never accepted that. And ever since then, he's been on the warpath against Jeff Sessions, saying publicly he wished he had appointed somebody else. If he had known Jeff Sessions was going to recuse himself, he would never have appointed him in the first place. Uh, and we knew it was only a matter of time. And we all and we were sort of the rumors got around it would happen. He'd be safe until the midterm. And once the midterms happened, he'd be gone. Well, we thought maybe that would be sometime between now and the end of the year. Again, Donald Trump holding a news conference this morning. We'll get to that shortly. He was asked about it, and he said, I'll get back to you on that later. Well, everybody, again, everybody thought later, maybe next week. No, it meant an hour later. Uh, Jeff Sessions was fired. Technically, he was asked to submit his resignation. Jeff Sessions was fired. He submitted his resignation. He is gone. He's totally fired. He totally fired. Totally and, you know, th this reminds me, again, Donald Trump doesn't really follow in any convention at all. But it reminds me when Donald Rumsfeld got fired. It was the morning after a bad midterm loss for mm -hmm. Republicans when George W. Bush yeah. 
right. was president. Yeah. And he got canned like the morning after the midterm elections. And that by the way, George you know. Bush said we, it was a yeah. thumping. Thumping. He, he said he got a thumping. Uh, and by the way, so you know he's not the last one to go, by the way. And meantime, the other thing he did was he didn't fire Rod Rosenstein yet. Mm. Well, it's early today, you know, still early. Uh, but he did move a new guy in as acting AG. Everybody says he will not be the permanent AG. His name is Matt Whitaker. He's a former federal prosecutor from Iowa. And by the way, talk about a conflict of interest. This guy has given Whitaker, has given all kinds, he's at the DOJ now, he's given all kinds of interviews saying that the Russian investigation is a witch hunt. It ought to be shut down. That there's no evidence at all of collusion and there's no evidence at all of obstruction of justice. I think putting him in charge of the investigation is an, an act of obstruction of justice. But at any rate, Rosenstein has been moved out because, follow, Sessions couldn't oversee it because he had conflicts. So therefore, Rosenstein took over. Now that Sessions is gone, we no longer need Rosenstein. Pardon me, we put Matt Whitaker in charge. Matt Whitaker will be there until Donald Trump appoints Lindsey Graham, which could be before the end of this broadcast. I, I mean, you know, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm telling Lindsey Graham's going to be the next attorney if he gets confirmed, which is not certain. I actually disagree with you. Really? I don't think it's going to be Lindsey Graham. You think I it's think going to be? Chris Kobach. Oh, boy. Even that might be a bridge too far for Donald Trump. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. One of the one of the sweetest parts, which we'll get to that too soon, uh, in the midterms was Chris Kobach lost his bid to become the phony voter fraud guy, lost his bid to become the governor of uh, Kansas. I still think it's going to be Lindsey Graham, but you know what? Lindsey Graham's going to need some Democratic votes to win. And he was out there campaigning against a lot of Democrats. Lindsey Graham doesn't have any friends left in the U.S. Senate. No, he doesn't. Right. So He lost them all during the Kavanaugh hearing. Exactly. It ain't going to be automatic for Lindsey Graham. So whomever... That's all it is. Then let's so let's we're taking this in reverse order, right? So that's the latest. Uh, then there's this news conference. I have to tell you, I've been following presidential politics for a long time, twenty more twenty more years, twenty more than that, uh, and a lot of it right here in Washington D.C. at the White House, often with Bill Clinton, with George W. Bush, following that, at the press briefings every single day for Barack Obama. Uh, and down there with uh, with the Donald Trump, whenever I can get down there, couldn't make this news conference today because I was on BBC during an interview with them about the midterm elections right before it. But I got to never have we seen any anything approaching the performance of Donald Trump at that news conference today. It was absolutely disgraceful. He was there a year and a half. And he started out just by giving an hour and a half. It I'm felt sorry, like a year, year and, and, and a half. half. It did. Sorry. It was just an hour and a Thank half. Thank you. An hour and a half. You know, it felt like, well, he starts out by saying the, the, the outrageous things he said. And we'll hear, uh, give some clips of some of it. But he started out by claiming that this was a total victory. He started by giving all these lame-ass excuses about why they didn't even do better. But then he said he considered, he considered it a total victory, what happened last night. Again, if I had been there, I would have stood up and said, Dude, you lost the house. He never mentioned that. 
dude, you lost seven governorships. Never mentioned that. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, so, he came, uh, number one, set up a total victory. He also said, get this, that he thinks this is such BS. He thinks it's actually better off that Republicans lost the House. But now, because now he'll have to work with Democrats and they can get some things done. And he always says, he's, he's always ready to make a deal. And he has such good friends among them. I mean, so here are these Republicans. <laughs> God, I don't feel sorry, sorry for them. But let's say you're a Paul Ryan or you're a Kevin McCarthy or you're a Steve Scalise. And you have spent the last two years raising money, recruiting candidates, trying to get out there to win and hold on to the House and doing everything you can to hold on to the House. And you lose. And the head of your party says, I'm glad we lost. It's, it was really good that we lost the House. He actually said that. And then he goes on to say, and I did what I could to help out, but some candidates didn't want my embrace, didn't want my support, and they lost. And I'm glad they lost. And he named names. It's just unfreaking believable. And on top of that, after starting out by saying one of the reasons that they didn't do even better was because of the hostile media. Of course, he blames everything on the media, including the mass murder at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, after starting out that way, then he really attacked several members of the media. Uh, Peter Knight. And, Peter Knight? No, not Peter Knight. Peter. Peter Alexander. Peter Alexander from Alexander. NBC. Jim Acosta, of course, of CNN and April Ryan, uh, Urban uh, Radio Network. Uh, attacked and um, from NPR. Uh, Yamiche Alcindor from PBS from asked PBS, the question I'm sorry, about right. the, the white nationalist, right. which he which, just screamed at her, that's a racist question. Yeah, right. So uh, attacking some of them but personally, by name, just ugly, ugly, ugly. The thing went on so long that he actually forgot that he had already called on Jonathan uh, Carl from ABC News and then called on him again. And by the way... <laughs> That's the uh, but, best. No. And by the way, I know everybody in that room. I mean, because I'm a member of the White House Press Corps, I go to the press briefings with them. There are some real phonies among the White House Press Corps. Several of them got called on today because Donald, Donald Trump doesn't know who they are, and he was just picking people at random. There are people there who don't represent anybody, who don't write for or report for anybody, who are total phonies. They were asking questions of the President of the United States today. It was out totally uh, out of control. But again, he starts by uh, starts out by saying, "So let's listen. We defied history. The Republican Party defied history to expand our Senate majority while significantly beating expectations in the House for the midterm and midterm." Yeah. <laughs> Boy. I think he means what? the midterm. The midtown. The midtown. The they, midterm. These were the um, midtown elections. He was thinking of Trump Tower. I yeah, think. clearly. Yeah, right. And then, of course, he did. He blamed it, as I mentioned, on the uh, hostile media. And this was, uh, in, in this case, he, um, I think he was talking, well, listen to it. Such a hostile media. It's so sad. You asked me about, no, you rudely interrupted oh, him. Was, yeah, that was when he went after April Ryan, who, who was just trying to get a question in. Uh, and, and he literally, to hear that clip, but he also just said, sit down, shut up, sit down, shut up. 
would not call on her and never did in the entire news conference. Boy, I tell you, how many times has he gone after particularly African-American women? Hello, Stacey Abrams. Hello, Maxine Waters. You know, go down the list. Uh, and he particularly went after. So Jim Acosta wanted to know, uh, how could you call this, a, how could you label this caravan an invasion, right? And Trump really did not want to answer that question, refused to answer that question. And when Jim kept saying, Mr. President, this is my question, you know, uh, um, whatever, uh, Trump went on the attack against him again by name. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Whoa. CNN put out a statement afterwards saying, you know, Mr. President, this has finally gone too far, too far. I mean, that's insane. Insane. He, he said the same thing, by the way, about Peter Alexander from NBC News. He went to him next and he said, I don't like you much either, by the way. And then when Peter Alexander asked his question, I forget exactly what it was, and Donald Trump attacked him, as he did uh, Jamish Alcindor from uh, PBS, when she uh, asked a question about some people, when you call yourself a nationalist, for some people... That means white nationalists. That's such a racist question. Honestly, I mean, I know you have it written down and you're going to tell me. Let me tell you, that's a racist question. Not a racist question. What's, What's racist about it? Yeah. We had, um, forget her name, from uh, the white nation or the. Adele Stan from uh, the Right Wing Watch. Right Wing Watch. Yeah. Right Wing Watch. Who, who said, you bet. When the white nationalists hear him call himself a nationalist, they know he means white nationalist. That's really a dog whistle word. That's a good, excellent question. And then he went on, and our friend Hunter Walker said, uh, Mr. President, um, you know, uh, Michael Cohen said, you've used some racist remarks. Other people have said the same thing. What about it? Donald Trump made a statement, I think, which he will live to regret because you know uh, any good reporter worth his or her salt is going to get, get go to the archives and find examples of Donald Trump making racist remarks, just like we heard the Access Hollywood tape. But Donald Trump swears, never, never, never. I would never do that, and I don't use racist and, remarks. And you know what? If I did, you people, have, you would have known about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's there, baby. I'll tell you. You know what? Probably go back to some of the uh, Howard Stern tapes. I'm sure it's there. and You know and, it's there. And other people have talked about his yeah. talk off air when he was taping The Apprentice. You know, right? It oftentimes was caught on a hot mic. Well, in fact, Hunter said, and this one guy rapper said he Will heard John. you use the uh, the N word, I guess, several yeah. times. And Don Trump says, I don't even know who he is. And Hunter said he was on The Apprentice. He was one of his. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, and by the way, I, kudos to Hunter because Don Trump twice in response to questions that had no bearing on this, he bragged about the high ratings he has. He has the higher ratings among than anybody else uh, among African-Americans ever in history. Hunter pointed out your rating, your approval rating among African-Americans is actually 8%, Mr. President. Uh, Trump didn't want to hear that. 8%. But yeah. that's how you have to handle him. Right. Mm -hmm. Just throw the facts in his face and see how he responds. Uh, I thought the whole thing sort of uh, summed up when uh, one, one reporter asked him, uh, so um, what did you learn from all, all this experience, this 
big uh, campaign, all these rallies, won some, lost some. Of course, he doesn't admit that he lost any. What did you learn? Donald Trump says, people like me. <laughs> that's, that's what he says he learned of the whole. That was a lesson of the midterm elections of people like me. Well, he certainly doesn't like those Republicans who um, did not uh, did not embrace him. That's that's the word he used. Uh, it's not that they didn't want his endorsement. It's not that some of them didn't want his support, because in by the way, they're members of his party, but in some of those districts, Donald Trump doesn't play that well, particularly in the suburbs, as we learned and he should have learned. Um, but so Donald doesn't say they didn't want my endorsement, they didn't want my support. He says they didn't want my embrace, uh, and he names the names of some who did not want his embrace. Peter Roskam mm. didn't want the embrace. Eric Paulson didn't want the embrace. And in New Jersey, I think he could have done well, but it didn't work out too good. Bob Eugen, I feel badly because I think that's something that. Could have been one. That's a race that could have been one. What a creep. What a total creep. Uh, but he said, you know what? Too bad, basically. Too damn bad. And he mentioned Mia Love. This race hasn't even been finally called, but it looks like she's going to go down in Utah. I mean, Democrats flipping a seat in deep red Utah. And by the way, she was one of the rising stars. Of the Republican Party. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Name like that. Mia Love. Uh-uh. He's got no love for Mia, and she's got no love for him. I saw Mia Love... She'd call me all the time to help her with a hostage situation. Being held hostage in Venezuela. Uh, but Mia Love gave me no love. <laughs> and she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, oh, yeah. Mia. Sorry, Sorry about, about that, that, Mia. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Oh, what a total, total creep, I'm telling you. Sorry about that, Mia. Yeah, sorry about that. So then we get to, okay, so we got sessions. We got the news conference, such as it was. Let let me just say one other thing. Republican or Democrat, I don't care. You know what? One thing, he needs a lot. He needs a shrink is what he needs. But he also needs a handler. You need somebody. I've been a candidate. I have run campaigns. I've attended, I don't know, countless news conferences. You need somebody who's going to stand up and say, one more question. Oh, but you don't just get the guy up there and let him run on and on and on forever. One more question. You know, you need some guy with a hook. He does, There is nobody, nobody, including the vice president who has the balls to tell Donald Trump, you've talked enough. It's long enough. Now's the time to go. It's a one-man show. Totally. And that boy did that show. You know, you know, some of them had to be just, I mean, so uncomfortable, right? Itching to get out of there, to crawl out of there. Somebody again got a picture of John Kelly with his head in his hand. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, while he's talking. Because it's just. How long before John Kelly goes? Somebody asked at the press conference. He didn't have an answer. By the way, he wouldn't answer it. Yeah. He didn't say, no, John Kelly's here until 2020. Or kind of whatever, right? Uh-uh. No, not at all. So then I think, so Donald Trump, message is Donald Trump, a total victory for Republicans. That is the biggest lie Donald Trump has told yet in his presidency. So let me tell you something. In a presidency filled with whoppers. Yes. This is the biggest one. Uh, last 
count I saw, it's about 6,500 from uh, the Washington Post that keeps track of this. Uh, now, I know you and I, there we were disappointed some things last night, okay? But I want to set the record straight, okay? Let's be clear. It's too bad. It really is. Heartbroken, if you will, that Andrew Gillum didn't make it in Florida, that Stacey Abrams didn't make it in Georgia, that Beto did not make it in Texas. But let me tell you, that we didn't get the Senate, and that Claire McCaskill lost and Joe Donnelly lost, and um, um, there was the third uh, Democrat there, oh, and Heidi Heitkamp lost, right? But particularly those first three I mentioned. They're the, they were the rock stars. They were the ones we were following, we were so excited about. It's damn disappointing they didn't win. But still, Democrats had a colossal night last night. It was a great night for Democrats. It is huge that Democrats have taken back the House because you know what that means. That means that Democrats have, uh, that there will be, first of all, a restore the balance of powers, right, that hasn't existed in this country for the last two years. That means that for the first time, Donald Trump will have to answer to somebody. He'll be accountable to somebody now, to the House. And the House, with the leadership, they get the chairmanships. With the chairmanships come the investigative power, the oversight powers, the appropriation powers, the subpoena powers. This is huge, huge. I don't care what Donald Trump says. This is not a win for Donald Trump. And let me tell you something. You talk about a caravan? The caravan that Donald Trump ought to be worried about right now? He ought to be worried about a caravan of subpoenas that's going to come from the House of the democratically controlled House of Representatives. Damn right. And on top of that, look across the board. Democrats won in addition to the House. And again, colossally important. In addition to that, Democrats won seven governorships. Okay, we didn't win Andrew Gillum. We didn't win Stacey Abrams. Uh, oh, Stacey Abrams, by the way, point out, not done yet. She is refusing to concede, last I heard at least, still, until they count all the absentee ballots. That's a big hill. There are 100, she's 100,000 short, but apparently there are lots and lots of absentees. And if she doesn't win, maybe she'll get close enough to force uh, a re uh, What do they call it? Not a rerun, but a runoff. Oh, yeah, a runoff, yeah. So, Could by happen. the way, we so, should point out, since we did the show this morning, which was in, in the yeah. wee early morning hours, things have changed significantly. John Tester. John Tester has won. Yep. Uh, the Stacey Abrams race is is not over yet. There's going to be a recount in the Rick Scott-Bill Nelson race. Right. Uh, which was not official uh, yep. when we were last on air. Yeah. And also, some people are pointing out that the Andrew Gillum- Ron DeSantis race has tightened so much that there might that, actually be a recount, recount there, there, even though well. Andrew Gillum has already conceded. Right, uh, right. That could that that could still get to recount territory. Yeah. So Democrats still picked up seven governorships, and look at some of the ones that he picked up. Right, uh, Illinois. Maybe that wasn't a big surprise. Michigan, big deal. Right, uh, Pennsylvania. Tom Wolf getting reelected. Wisconsin. Toby Evers is in, Scott Walker is out, and in Kansas, of all places, where Chris Kobach, again, the phony voter fraud, uh, to um, get the names of all these people. Levy, is that the governor of, of uh, Kansas? Laura, 
Gotta I be. forgot her name. Laura yeah, Kelly? These, it might be Laura Kelly. These are, you know, there's so many new faces on the national political scene, right? Yeah, it's Laura Kelly. Laura Kelly. Yeah, right. Uh, that's, that's huge. That's that Midwest territory that Hillary lost and Donald Trump won. And that, that creates a little blue wall right there in the Midwest. On top of that, Democrats won. Uh, and uh, Chairman Tom Perez from the DNC was in this morning in the show, if you caught us then. Uh, he also pointed out Democrats won seven legislative chambers that went from being flipped from red to blue. Very important when it comes to 2020, which and also scores of state legislative races, which means in the last year, the last two years, this year and last year, Democrats have picked up 333 legislative seats, seats in state legislatures that have gone from red to blue. Again, that is huge. And the last count, it was some 29, maybe it's 30, 31 now because it is all changing, congressional seats that flip from red to blue. So uh, I wouldn't call it exactly, it wasn't a tsunami. <laughs> it was maybe a series of little blue waves. But you add it all up, it was a big night for Democrats and totally changes the direction of this country, totally changes the makeup of the Congress. And you know what? Yes, it does set up a situation that Donald Trump was bragging about today where uh, he's going to now work with a Democrat. He even put out a tweet saying Nancy Pelosi deserves to be speaker and we can work together and we will work together, he said, unless, and he almost threatened the Democrats, unless they come out with any uh, investigations. Well, guess what, Mr. President? The job of the Congress is to exercise oversight. That's their job. It is not hostile. Every president has put up with it, and you're going to have to put up with it, too. So uh, lots and lots to talk about, and uh, nobody more on top of it uh, than Jason Dick from Roll Call joins us next here on the Bill Press Show. Again, look forward to your comments about Jeff Sessions, about the news of this morning, and about the big results of last night's midterm elections. We just scratched the surface here. Uh, your comments welcome on Twitter, at BP Show. Quick break. We'll be right back with Jason Dick. Follow us on Twitter, at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. And on a Wednesday, Wednesday, November 7, yep, the day after, still trying to sort out all the results of the midterms, here in this special broadcast for Free Speech TV, live from our nation's capital. A uh, special broadcast just for the day after the midterms. But now we also have a presidential news conference. Uh, if we made history last night uh, in the midterms, we made it. Donald Trump made history today with this news conference. And then the attorney general of the United States, out of a job, Jeff Sessions, is gone. We knew it would happen sometime after the midterms. Maybe he didn't expect it to happen quite so soon. Uh, Jason Dick joins us Uh I always forget your title at Roll Call because it keeps changing. 
<laughs> it's it's I'm I'm a first I'm a enterprise editor. I'm no. I'm the deputy editor. Deputy editor. Yeah. Okay. There uh, we go. So like like I'm the Rod Rosenstein of the of roll call. <laughs> well, I hope you last longer than he's going <laughs> yes. to. <laughs> Apparently he made it through his White House meeting uh with, without a scratch. Uh we were looking well, does he have his head uh yeah. held high or is he looking at his shoes? Well, he's got his head held up high. He must have a job for another day. For uh, another much probably day. to his yeah. chagrin. Except uh his workload has been Greatly diminished because Greatly they diminished, took yes. the Mueller investigation out from under him. Yes. Peter, what do you got? A couple of comments on Twitter. Let's check it out at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, somebody chiming in uh, from Wisconsin. Just very, very glad that Scott Walker oh, went down. Oh, man. Yeah, Celeste so Holmes are we. That says, was one of the sweetest victories. That was a big one. Yeah, yeah. Glad to get rid of Scott Walker. One, one of my favorite uh, Twitter moments last night was uh, John Dingle. <laughs> Uh, 92-year-old John Dingle tweeting, uh, wake me when Scott Walker loses. And about uh, f- a half hour later or so, uh, he-, he said, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, a couple of comments uh, where we're tweeting, at BP Show. Uh, Resistance Stevie says, Trump is so delusional he'll be sitting in prison trying to tell the inmates how he is winning. <laughs> And Carlos Rayon says, Bill, thanks for the special edition. Perfect timing for your European listeners. All right. So we got some Europeans. So, Carlos, thank you for paying attention and, and watching. Where's Carlos uh, you're, you're, watching from? It we, just says, say? just says yeah. Europe. Uh, All right. According to his bio, he's in Switzerland. So, Carlos, maybe we can come crash on your couch, you know, when the democracy falls apart here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, I spent two good years in Switzerland no, getting, that's right. my, getting my graduate degree um, at the University of Freeborg. So, um, oh, greetings all around the world. How about that? Now the pressure's really on, Jason. Now <laughs> the pressure is on. All right. So uh, Donald Trump says uh, the big lesson that he learned from the uh, midterm elections last night was that people like me. That's, that's ab- absolutely true um, in his world, in in his <laughs> mind, or at least in his words. Um, you know, the the... What struck me about the news conference, what struck me about the election is that it largely adhered to what we were kind of thinking would probably happen, you know, or maybe some people, you know, were were hoping would happen, which was that the normal laws of of political gravity would reassert themselves after mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah. I think that um, people in both parties and, and independents were all shocked by 2016, including probably a lot of people in Trump Tower on election night. You know uh, it. They, they, they were not really ready. They didn't really know exactly what happened, and they had to sort of reassess uh, the, the state of politics. And so I think that the thing that uh, happened last night was, you know, what the, the things that normally happens. You know, a, a president is unpopular. You know, Donald Trump's uh, approval ratings are hover around the high 30s to low 40s, uh, depending on on the poll, uh, except for Rasmussen, of course, where it's like right. uh, 90 percent uh, each time. Slight exaggeration. Uh, and, and, you know, the the people are engaged. We saw massive increases in voters uh, in engagement and, and turnout across the country, more along the lines of a presidential level. And at least at the House level, where everybody votes, the the Democrats won. And and they did. They had a very good night, and 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 so that that makes sense to people who cover politics. That makes sense to people who are engaged in in politics. And is it, there, it is true that some people do like Donald Trump quite yeah. a bit, and they're primarily in the states that uh, that provided the Republicans their cushion the, the, it, to add to their majority. By the way, it's worth pointing out um, that we, the number we saw this morning, 
Nine million people, m more people voted for Democrats in the Senate races right. than voted for Republicans, right. and yet Democrats lost the, or didn't right. win the Senate. That with the craziness right. of our system, it's like the popular vote, Hillary Clinton winning the right. popular vote. By and and that. the and you know the thing that is is <laughs> a little is disconcerting too is that this is kind of the the sort of logical extension of the way the founding fathers set things up. They, they wanted yeah. to provide yeah. the small states with some protection right. from right. what they considered the tyranny of the majority. Right. Uh, they, they wanted one chamber of the House to be responsive to popular uh, you know, sentiment, and they wanted another chamber to put the brakes on it. Sort, and, of, sort and, of like the House of Lords. Right, uh, exactly. And and they, again, the, you know, senators were not popularly elected until a little over 100 years ago. So it it, it really does, it, it, it works in a, in a way that was envisioned by by the founders, but it seems to have starting to get a little out of whack because the way that people govern now, mm -hmm. whether they have a one seat majority or a ten seat majority, depending on the chamber, is is as if they have ninety nine percent of of the of the membership. Is there any way in the real world that Donald Trump can claim that last night was a total victory for the Republic for him? I, I really don't think so. I mean, I mean, I, and I'm. I hope I'm not. You know, like coming across as just perhaps biased in that. I mean, because you know, he he well, claims that a lot of people. You know, that that he he did add to the to the Senate majority. You know, credit where credit is due. The Republican where he and he, uh, can't where but, he campaigned a lot of I was Republicans say, won. I'll, I'll, I'll add that he helped that right. was, with these rallies. Right. Focused on the Senate. Focused on the red states. Right. He definitely helped. I think Claire McCaskill would have been reelected without his going there. Perhaps now, Joe Donnelly. Joe yeah, Donnelly too. Right. It didn't work in Miss, uh, West Virginia. It didn't right. work in Montana. But didn't, didn't work in Nevada. I mean, I mean, he 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 didn't work in Nevada. You know, he he did campaign in Nevada, not just for Dean Heller, who lost, but also for Adam Laxall, who was the gubernatorial right. yeah. uh, nominee for the Republicans. Mm -hmm. He lost also. Uh, you know, I mean, there the, you know the. It didn't work across the board, and and really, you know, as uh, uh, you know, one of one of my my favorite political reporters to follow, Dave, Dave Weigel, noted that of all of these people that that uh, that Trump probably wanted to knock off, Tester is really his white whale. Yeah. I mean, T yeah. Tester is the one he really Both. wanted because he blames him for Ronnie Jackson not being, you know, the, yes. the president's personal physician at the time. You know, he he really wanted Jackson to be the VA secretary. He blames Tester, even though it's very bipartisan. You know, sort of uh, in investigation of Jackson's background with Johnny Isaacson, a Republican from Georgia uh, who headed the VA uh, committee in the Senate, that produced this like sort of damaging kind of information yeah. about Jackson. But Trump zeroed in on Tester, really wanted to take him out, and he's he got away. Well, Tester and Tester sensed that. Uh, you know, he was it wasn't called until, uh, in fact, in the middle of the news conference right. today, uh, but last night. Uh, Tester, with his supporters, uh, said, you know, you just, you just got to hold your fire, but right. it won't be long before we're going to pop the champagne. Here's John Tester. What are we going to do tomorrow? <laughs> you damn right we're going to celebrate! <laughs> damn right we're going to celebrate. You know, I might have said that it was a really... Reminiscent of Howard Dean yeah, there. It was, it was a really good night for profanity. Uh, you oh, know, we, we, oh had, yeah. we had We had O'Rourke... Beto dropped the F-bomb. Dropping the F-bomb. Uh, we had Do we have that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had te we have Tester with that. I mean, it was a it was kind of kind of a so raw motion night with his crowd and carried live 
on the cables, which had to apologize because they didn't realize what was going to happen. Showing the country how you do this. I'm so f***ing proud of you guys. <laughs> now, yeah. people people doubted his punk rock bona fides, but that's pretty punk rock right that's there. That's as punk so. rock as it gets. No, absolutely. <laughs> Dropping the F-bomb while Fox News is carrying you live? Yeah, man. And, you know, so, I mean, this, but so, yeah, that that certainly, you know, the, the even in some of these losses, like, like with Beto, I mean, Beto probably, his operation, his turnout uh, in Texas was probably really helped a couple of these Democrats who, yes. who upset yes. some, some Republican incumbents. It certainly right. helped, you know, knock off people like John Culberson in, in the Houston suburbs. Pete Sessions. And Pete Sessions in the Dow- in Dallas area. So, I mean, that, that I mean, not, not you know, no, everybody likes to win, right, whether you win by one vote or one right. by, by a trillion votes. Uh, and I'm sure Beto O'Rourke would probably have rather won uh, than lost. Certainly Chuck Schumer would rather he have won than lost. Right. But that's a that's a nice little you know sort of side benefit of a campaign like Beto O'Rourke's. Right. So, um, what does it mean for Democrats to take the House? I mean, this this is a big deal or a BFD is. Yeah. As, Joe as, Biden as, would as say. The, as yeah, the the, uh, the progenitor right. of uh, profanity in, yeah. in the in, in staid circumstances uh, would say, uh, it, this I mean, is Trump made it sound like right. today it's just going to be like business as usual. Right. In fact, he said it's better this way, which right. I'm sure Paul Ryan and some other Republicans were not happy to hear. He does like having villains. He he likes having antagonists, like like any good wrestler, you know, as, mm-hmm. as our uh, as our. Uh, uh, sometimes friend guest uh, Brandon Weatherby yeah, would, would right. note uh, the president does very well when he has an antagonist, uh, yeah. but and and certainly he will have one in people like Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff uh, and and Gerald Nadler. But he also who, said we can were, all get along right. as long as they don't investigate. Me. Right, as, as long as long as they kiss, no, my, kiss my ass. You yeah, know, they, right. They, yeah, they're they're happy to. He's happy to uh, you know get along with them. Which, I mean, this, this will not last. I think it's no. adorable that they're talking about infrastructure. Yes, <laughs> but it's 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 always infrastructure week. You no, know, next in, week in, is in infrastructure right. week. Right? I mean, week, yeah. th- yes. you know, that's so cute that they think that they're going to cooperate on on infrastructure. I mean, it, it's 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 just well, bizarre this obsession with in, infrastructure and how that's going to be the big. But also, you know, for him, um, an oversight hearing is a criminal investigation. Right. Right. He will take pick an issue. Right. right. Okay. He fires James Comey. They do a. They, but, I, I must say, it's also delicious to hear the Republicans complain about Democrats might have too many hearings. Right? <laughs> yes. After, great. what do they have, 25 on, on Hillary's Just emails? A, but the emails. <laughs> Daryl Issa had like 15 or so, and then he didn't get anywhere, so they fired him, and then they put uh, Trey Gowdy in charge, who had another 15. I mean, it was insane. It's, but, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so he sends troops to the borders. You know damn well, Democrats, and if it's still going on, They'll hold a hearing to say, "What? How much money is this costing? Yeah, they. What they, are they doing? Is they will, this a they will make use? sure to ask Jim Mattis uh, on the Hill how he feels about fifteen more troops on the southern border than in Afghanistan. But and oversight is a fundamental responsibility of the Congress. That's right. part of the beautiful system of checks and balances that we have, right. which hasn't been again political gravity sort of reasserting itself yeah i mean right. it, it is so it is a big deal and one and one of the reasons that it's such a big deal too is that the the way that the, the districts were drawn after the 2010 election you know the the republicans uh, not just at the federal level but at the state level were able to 
you know, for the most part, control much of the process by how district lines are drawn. And so, you know, at, at the state legislative level and at the congressional level. So that really helps. You know, it really helps, especially if you can if you can pack, you know, just ever so slightly the number of Democrats, say, into a, a city's, you know, boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, spread yeah. out the Republican, you know, like have a little have some fewer Republicans, you know, but in a broader area. And so it's it's little things like that that's helped, you know, Republicans hold on to control, particularly in states like Ohio and Pennsylvania. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, you know, these are these are states that are typically associated, you know, as swing states and and Republican legislatures and governors were able to control the process. So it's very difficult to to crack that code. And this is one of the reasons that it has been difficult for that Democrats have kept on coming up short Mm -hmm. uh, is is that they're just they just don't have the numbers. This was overwhelming. It it overwhelmed the process. It overwhelmed the the way that the you know, that the lines were drawn, which is no easy thing to do. And by the way, now I know you've had more time to really dig into um, the demographics of the vote, where it came from, and who who it made up. But my impression is, tell me, so tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, Democrats, of course, have had a, um, a strategy of really focusing on women, on people of color, on millennials, on young people. Right. Looks to me like that strategy paid off. It is, and I would I would add to that right. college educated, college, you know, yeah. pe- people e- everywhere. So, so like so, suburban right. women, we heard right. a lot about that they were really right. going to make a difference. Right. They did make a big difference, didn't they? They made a very big difference, and the you know one one of the um, one of the districts that to me sort of encapsulated yeah. Yeah. this was in in Kansas. Uh, you know, Kevin Kevin Yoder's district in the Kansas City suburbs. You know, Yoder is a relatively intelligent and moderate Republican. You know, he's an appropriator. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. He's a handsome guy. He ran a good campaign. Uh, and, you know, the, the voters, were, you know, they, they had on their minds issues that are important to well-educated. Well, right? Uh, so he started distancing himself, knowing, you know, where things were going with, yeah. with the district. Uh, Hillary Clinton narrowly won. The district, and so he had this balancing act and and uh, to to play about how much he embraced mm-hmm. the president versus how much he needed to appeal to people who were not as effusive in their praise as most members of the right. House Republican Conference are, and uh, toward toward the president. And you know he got caught and in in this in this like pickle of where to where to go, and you know he just got his for an incumbent, particularly for a fairly popular incumbent. You know, he got his clock cleaned by Sharice Davids, who's a former Obama uh, administration person. She's a Native American. She's a lesbian. She doesn't quite fit the demographic of like a Kansas, no. you know, Congresswoman, yeah. Yeah. right? But, uh, but she won, and she won yeah. fairly handily. You know, it was, it was high single digits, and right. you know, it was a it it checked all the boxes. It was an affluent, uh, well educated suburb that Hillary Clinton narrowly won. Lots of independents, and uh, you had a, a minority, a, a triple minority: a woman, a Native American, and a lesbian now, who, who won. Right. Now, you take that same, not, not all exactly the same, but go to Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. right? Same su- right. suburban areas, Barbara Constock, out. Right. Gone. And, uh, you know, what's striking to that, too, is that the, you know, loud, the loud. David Bratt. Right. Out. In, I mean, Loudoun County, remember in 2012, uh, you know, during the the presidential election in 2012, we were looking at and also the the Senate race that Tim Kaine beat George Allen, the former governor, former senator. We were looking at Loudoun as the as like this is what's going to tell us who's going to win this. This is the Mm. this is going to be 
uh, the bellwether, you know, how somebody does in Loudoun County. It's, it's, the, it's the far suburbs of Washington, D.C. Well, Comstock lost, like, I mean, she just, it was just a country yeah. butt whooping. You I know, think there. Was, I mean, it was just, I mean, the, the she lost first, by 17 points or something. Seven, like it was that. the yeah. first yeah. race called, I think, right. wasn't by AP. I it, mean, yeah. it, it, was, it was the first race called. It was not close. And, and Loudoun County, I mean, not all of Loudoun County is in Comstock's district, but the Loudoun County parts just went overwhelmingly. Uh, for, for Jennifer for, Wexton. For Jennifer Wexton, the state senator. I want to play this clip because Jennifer Wexton came out to talk, and she said she wasn't even ready. <laughs> now, you need to forgive me because I really didn't anticipate that this race would be called so quickly. <laughs> That's a hell well, of a statement. She doesn't have to say anything. Just thank you. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Well, and you know what's what's also kind of extraordinary about that race too is that you know here you have I mean it's it's ex- it's expensive to run a race here, you know the the national Republicans uh, like felt like they needed to help Barbara Comstock even though, in terms of an investment, it probably wasn't worth them investing. They probably yeah. you know could have used that money for Kevin Yoder, <laughs> or or for somebody else you know who was was also vulnerable but could have used the cash or where the money would have gone further for organizing or for television ads or, or whatever. But, you know, they, they invested a, a ton of money in, in Barbara Comstock, and she lost anyway. And this happened, you know, like over and over again uh, across the, the, the country. You know, there were, there were Republicans who everybody knew was going to lose, but they felt like they just couldn't totally abandon them. And so they dumped a bunch of money into the races, and it just exacerbated their problems on, on, in places like Oklahoma City, for God's sake. You know, yeah. like, th- I mean, we had to scramble to write Kendra <laughs> Horn's profile because it was on no one's radar uh, th- that she had a chance uh, a- a- against Russell, uh, the, the Republican congressman there. I mean, we, at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning when, when you have to write a 500-word profile of somebody you've never heard of is like, uh, okay. <laughs> and if they win a Senate seat, <laughs> right. I mean a, a House seat, right? Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, we we you know we want to make sure that people are our readers know who these people are, but first we had to figure out who she was too, and so you know that's one of those things that just never showed up on anyone's radar. But obviously there was something happening there. How does uh, if you're able to reflect on if you've had a chance to reflect on this at all, uh, what implications do you see for 2020 from last night's results? So it it is it has been interesting. Kevin McCarthy, the the mm-hmm. current House Majority Leader, the Republican from California, uh, he is has thrown in his his hat in the ring to be the minority leader. Right. He probably has the inside track. Uh, he is saying that you know that he he was you know he he was involved in efforts to get them into the majority when they had far fewer seats than than what they have now. Um, the problem there is that I mean the. A lot of these seats, you know, were waiting to go Democratic. They were waiting for people like Ileana Rosletinen to retire yeah. because yeah. Ileana is like a really good congresswoman and right. she knows her constituents and people are going to give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, on the other side of the ledger, you've got somebody like Colin Peterson, who's a Democrat from Minnesota. He represents a very conservative district. When he retires, it's most likely going to be a Republican district. Mm. But, you know, the, you, so you have this like, you know, effect that the wave can be amplified. If... If Republic, I mean, I'm guessing that if Democrats, you know, see that Republicans want to try to reclaim some of these uh, districts in 2020 for the House uh, in places like Miami, not a cheap place to run, uh, they're like, great. Right. <laughs> please, are, please spend your hard-earned money here. Are there any uh, Senate candidates that emerge from this as 2020 presidential 
material? So on the on the Republican or the Democratic, Democratic side, side. On, on the Democratic side, I mean, I I feel like I mean the the Democratic side is so has so many candidates anyway <laughs> that they're they're not suffering from them. I mean, still people like Cory Booker, Jeff Merkley, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. I mean, you know, Klobuchar won, you know, easily. Big you know, time. Uh, so did Kirsten Gillibrand. So, so did Kirsten Gillibrand. I'll so, throw another name it, out there that doesn't get mentioned a lot in the 2020 conversation. Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown. Actually, I mean, and yeah. and he, I mean, he, he may have, Absolutely. you know, because of the the relative closeness <laughs> of that race. I mean, he he may have. He's got a swing state, you know, that that he represents. So that gives him a little bit of an extra uh, bump there. But it, it was close enough you know that he he may be a little shaken by that but so you have you know <laughs> roughly right. half the, the democratic caucus looking at right. you know at least they would they would be yeah. remiss if they didn't right. at least look at the at, at the 2020 race uh the, the map's a little more favorable toward them next uh, time in, around in next time around although it's yeah. not it's not a dunk though there aren't as yeah. many vulnerable republicans mm-hmm. so they have to figure out and particularly like merkley and booker are both up they need to make a decision soon about whether they're going to give up their seats or whether they're going to run for president. Uh, uh, just a couple minutes left. So put on your uh, editor's, uh, your journalist editor's hat, and um, let's play again what Donald Trump told Jim Acosta today at the news conference. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Tells that to Jim Acosta. He tells uh, April Bryant to sit down and shut up. He tells Jamish Alcindor, basically called her a racist or said, accused her of asking a racist question, and also told Peter Alexander of NBC News that he was uh, worthless. All, uh, yeah, well. all, I mean, it. Uh, what, I mean, do we just have to put up with this? Is this the new normal? So, Did yes. Did he finally cross the line? Well, I mean, he's and crossed how, so many. And how should we yeah. react as he's, journalists? Yeah, he's already crossed enough lines that I think he's going to continue to cross as many lines uh, as he can, as he feels he can get away with. Um, that's sort of the nature of, it, it, to me, that seems yeah. to be the nature. I I think that um, not not prescribing uh, action for anybody else, but if you're in, if you find yourself in an antagonistic relationship with Donald Trump, um, the it usually doesn't work out well to take him on f- full on, you know, in, in that setting, it, it, even if it's it might be called for. I mean, he's sort of a master at this. He knows how to dominate a stage. Plus he's the president. He's, right? he's also the president. They're, you know, they're they call secret, it the bully pulpit. Right? There's secret service guys <laughs> right. standing in back of him. So, um, you know, one of the reasons that, that House Democrats did quite well last night was that no matter what Trump said uh, down the stretch, they said, "Oh, that's nice, healthcare. Oh, oh, really? That's terrible, healthcare." You know, I mean, they, they, it was like a metronome. They just kept yeah. coming back yeah. to the issues that they felt comfortable in. If they had gotten into the mud uh, and a slugfest with him, I don't think it would have worked out as well for them. But as they Andrew just, Gillum said, "You don't wrestle with a pig. pig. <laughs> the pig you both likes get it. Get dirty, and the pig likes it. <laughs> right." <laughs> Uh, you know, you know. Er, earlier when we were talking in the booth uh, before, before I came on, some of the biggest surprises, you know, in in the, the Gillum race, I I was I think that might have been my biggest surprise um, of, of the night. It seemed that he had the momentum uh, did, going, absolutely. and he seemed to be, a, you know, just on a. I hadn't seen favorables of him versus Ron DeSantis, the the re- Republican uh, nominee, but you know, I he seemed he came across as is quite a you know kind of a quite a 
positive sort of character who was on a roll. I so I, that, that's the one that surprised me the most. I, but I think we can take comfort in the fact that uh, while as disappointed as we are in last night, uh, if, they, if that holds true, we still we have not seen the last of Andrew Gillum nor Beto O'Rourke. I think that's a pretty safe bet. And we haven't seen the last of Jason Dick as a guest <laughs> on the Bill Press Show either. But thank you so much for today. Great what a wrap-up of a very, very busy day. Hey, folks, uh, we'll be looking for you tomorrow, so you better come back. This Good to be with is you. the Bill Press Show.